In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Hey Hustlers, we know that this 2024, the entrepreneurial journey is filled with challenges. An often overlooked aspect is the time-consuming task of processing payroll and managing government requirements. And did you know that the average admin spends a whopping 50 hours per month dealing with just government compliance? That's time you could be spending on growing your business, or let's be honest, taking a well-deserved break. But fear not, we got a game changer for you. Introducing Sprout Solutions and their tailored solutions for MSMEs called the Payroll Starter. With Sprout Solutions Payroll Starter, you can finally reclaim your time and get your life back on track. Say goodbye to the stress of remembering tax dates or worrying about missed payroll runs. This bundle is designed to make your life easier and your business more efficient. And here's the best part. The cost starts just at 5,000 pesos per month for businesses with up to 10 employees. Yep, you heard that right. That's just 5,000 pesos per month. So why spend another minute drowning in payroll paperwork when Sprout can revolutionize the way you manage your payroll and government requirements? Take the first step towards a more efficient business today. Visit sprout.ph slash payroll starter monthly 5k. If you missed that, don't worry. We have it in the description box of this episode. So click that too. And again, big shout out to Sprout Solutions because your time is too valuable to be spent on paperwork. Reclaim it with their payroll starter. Now let's begin this episode. The Hustle Share Podcast is brought to you by Shoppable Business, your number one source for procuring products for your business in the Philippines. Discover authentic branded products online. Shop bulk, save big, and secure authentic products with official sales invoices at Shoppable Business today. And also brought to you by DragonPay. DragonPay is the pioneer in alternative payments in the Philippines. DragonPay is the reigning fintech of the year in last year's Philippine Fintech Festival. Sign up now at www.dragonpay.ph. I love the fact that real estate is still a physical asset. It can't just like disappear and then go to zero in value. Um, although, you know, potentially can go to zero in value as we see in some offices in, in, in America. But the physicality of actually meeting people and, and doing collaboration work you know, that part's still super exciting. Welcome to Hustle Share, the podcast that features the daily grinds of unique hustlers around the world to show not our differences, but that our hustles are very much alike. Now here's your host, Ronster Beityong. Welcome to the latest episode of the Share Podcast. We are five years old, and of course, we're gonna start our fifth year with someone who I admire dearly. My God, I've been wanting to get this guy on the show, but I had to wait a little bit further. Because, five years, yeah, five years of talking and annoying everyone on a Monday morning. <laughs> but again, I've, I've I've always wanted to have you on the show, um, but I said 
I gotta have you at the right time. And thank you for coming on on the first episode of our fifth year. Because today we will welcome the chairman of KMC Solutions, Mr. Mike McCullough. Wow, thanks guys. Thank you, Ron. Thank you again. Shout out to KMC Solutions because for the longest time, well, we, we had a hell of a year last year. Not the good one. Um, this We took refuge in KMC, Cyber Gamma. Cyber, Cyber Gamma, I forgot. I always, Cyber Gamma. Cyber Gamma. Yeah. They have a podcast studio. Thank you for allowing us to, to do our magic here. Not a problem. And we are recording in a KMC. So right here honest. on the 29th floor. Yep. In Ortigas. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't know which floor we had to go through and we went up. It was funny. We, we have five floors here. Oh, is so it? We have 15, 16, 27, 28, 29. The fact that you even remember each, each it's floor. Tough. We have it. over 65 floors across the Philippines. 65 floors. As yeah, we speak right now, space. we're recording this in 2024. Yeah, it's, uh, around Feb 20th or something. Feb 20 something, right? But again, that's going to be a lot of floors. And before you even talk about all the floors, I need to ask you the million dollar question. Mike? Can I call a friend? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Later. What's your hustle? What's my hustle? Man, you know, um, I guess what kind of really keeps me going is um, just trying to make things better, uh, making it easier to to do business, um, Mm -hmm. easier for foreign companies to come here and hire talent Mm -hmm. and find talent and uh, motivate talent, engage with their talent. And that's why we you know, design offices that look and feel and operate like this. Again, just, just, just do numbers real quick. Yeah. How many companies are, un, are able to operate because KMC exists? And under those companies, I think you even source the staffing. Do you yeah. have an idea how many people? We have 800 logos that we invoice every month. 800 companies. 800 companies right now. And around the and that's count? not that's not like the, all the freelancers and oh stuff like that. God. It's probably another two fifty or something like that. What? Yeah. How many offices do you even have? Because I, I we're in twenty seven buildings across. Yeah, the whole over world? twenty thousand desks in the Philippines only. And I'm pretty sure a big chunk of you guys work in KMC or in a in a booth or a big ass space and whatnot, whatever the size is. You guys did an amazing job. And I saw the rapid rise. This happened over the past, I don't know, five, uh, five, 10 years. But you just yeah. kept doubling down and doubling down and doubling. And again, these things are not a fluke. And I want to shout out my good friend and your good friend, Mr. Alex. I know, Patrick, not that. Uh, shout that's out the, also that's to the Alex. wife. Yeah. <laughs> not bad. Patrick Gentry, yeah. who then told me the rule of three and 10. I, he told me about it very early 2020 or early 2019. 30% margins and 10% growth or what? 10% <laughs> margins and 30% growth? What is that? No, I mean, everything breaks every time your, your companies. Oh, after your first 30 headcount. Yeah. yeah. It, it multiplies every three, every multiples yeah. of three. Threes and tens. Yeah, that's actually And my true. God, the scale that you guys have done is amazing. But I want to talk about that later. Okay. Because again, we have to sit back before we even talk about creating jobs, operationally, making everything efficient. We have to go all the way back to Oregon. So, okay. We're, <laughs> we're, we're, we're going back quick. 17 years, basically. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> because we're going to have to ride yeah. the hustle share time machine. Okay. There you go. This is going to be a 16 hour flight. <laughs> I just did it. <laughs> oh my God. It was not fun. Right. So again, um, I've had a chance to go to Oregon around this same time last year. It was beautiful. January, late January, early Feb. Yeah. To watch the Portland Trail Blazers because I watched 
uh, my idol, Chauncey Billups, I all, which also I was lucky to catch Damien Lillard. You told me you got to meet him. No? I met him. Yeah. I met him. And I got his my jersey signed. I got to go to the tunnel. That's amazing. It's best one of the best days of my life. For okay. sure. Easily in my top, my Mount Rushmore of my best days <laughs> of my life. <laughs> Easy. But again, I want to understand uh, when we, before you even thought of KMC and whatnot, uh, what was it like growing up in, in, in the States and in Oregon? And did you have any influences in hustling very very early on. Okay, so you know, one probably one of the first photos I show to the team is uh, me as a five-year-old selling lemonade oh. in front of our house. Okay. Um, and, and this is in uh, San Diego. Oh. So we would have had a bunch of, you know, citrus trees and avocado trees and lemon trees and stuff okay. like that. So I decided to make lemonade and sell it, I think for 50 cents. Okay. And there's a photo of me, you know, wooden sign painted in horrible handwriting, red and <laughs> lemonade, 50 cents. Right. So, uh, yeah, that's a photo I, I, I occasionally share with the team mm-hmm. about my very early entrepreneurial days. I probably did not um, make a whole lot of money. Our, our, our street was not very busy. We didn't have a lot of foot traffic. So, right. number one lesson in real estate is location, location, location. <laughs> Learn that as a five-year-old. Learn that as a five-year-old. Um, we then moved from uh, uh, Southern California, San Diego to uh, Southern Oregon. Mm, from sunny to... Always raining. Four, four, four seasons. Four uh, seasons. Four seasons. So, <laughs> you know, we're very close to the Cal- Northern California border yep. there. Yep. Um, it was an amazing childhood. Uh, me and my brother uh, building, you know, tree houses, forts, going uh, hiking, camping, nice. all, all sorts of places with uh, a young Pat Gentry. Oh, my God. So, you met Pat when you were, like, kids, high school? Yeah, yeah, kids. All right. Well, what were you guys busy with? So, this is a I mean, throwback. Shout out to Sprout Solutions, our sponsor also, by the way. Yeah. So, um, I mean, just anything outdoors, you know, um, building snowmen, then blowing them up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we're, there's some videos of us on YouTube somewhere. So don't, that's don't, amazing. Don't, don't look too hard. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we, we had, a, we had an amazing childhood. It was, you know, one of those childhoods where it was like, you know, be home before dark and just mm. do something. Right. But be when, when you were do- Growing up, did you have any side hustle and whatnot? That's to, to, to I, I did have a few side hustles. Um, I had pet watchers. I even oh, had a little business card. Um, okay. We would go to, you know, somebody had a dog or cat. Mm-hmm. We would, um, for $10 a day, we'd go and, you know, play with them, throw the ball and make sure they had food. Nice. The ball. Okay. Yeah. So a lot of people, you know, they'd go on vacation for a week and need to make sure their house was kind of looked after. And, mm-hmm. um, and I, at that time, I was only on a bicycle. Okay. <laughs> or, you know, I wasn't old enough to drive a car. And right. so, you know, I did have to ride my bike and then, you know, go uh, some fresh water in the dog's bowl and you know, stick some dog food in there. Nice. So, yeah, I guess there's always a little bit of uh, uh, that stuff. And then I, I got into helping my grandmother with her apartments and, mm. you know, painting. There you go. Painting houses during the summer. Um ripping out carpet, ripping out uh, windows or screens and, you know, literally having to clean places that were um, kind of destroyed. It was oh. a lower income like housing. Yeah. And then you do fix our uppers and, and we flip were, them. We were, no, she, she would keep them as rentals. Oh, wow. Yeah. She had like quite the portfolio, probably like 30 properties or something. So that's your very early hustle because who would have thought that, you know, you'd be running so many, was, I think, once my, again. My grand, yeah, my grandpa got remarried and, and, and this lady kind of, uh, had had a, had a real property hustle, right? She had quite a yeah. So <laughs> she you know she took me in as as one of her own grandsons. Needed uh, the cheap labor, 
Clearly, mm-hmm. she only had like girls on on her side of the family. <laughs> so <laughs> the only yeah, dude available. I was the only yeah dude available. She gave me a, a beater truck to drive around in, and oh, it was like when you turned it off, like it, the, the engine kept running for like another thirty seconds. <laughs> <laughs> like it was not probably most environmentally friendly. Yeah, Toyota that pickup funny. truck. Hey, but if it gets you to point A to point B. That works. But it was great. I mean, just to have a vehicle when you're, you know, correct. When you're 16. <laughs> and then when it's in the winter in freaking Oregon, my God, you you need something that's just going to keep you warm for sure. Right. Now yes. I want to understand. So after now you go there, I'm literally looking at your LinkedIn. I'm a little blind. The only thing I know of you is uh, the stuff that you told me prior to the meeting and the stuff that also Patrick told me okay. as, as, as you guys growing up a little bit, but you went to Oregon state. Right. Yes. Um, when you're in college, what was did you? What did you take up? What was what are the foundational skills you so learned? My, so my brother-in-law was in pre-med, and mm-hmm. he's like, "Look, this is a really great way to um, you know earn a living that will uh, kind of set you up um, pretty well." Mm-hmm. So I took some pre-med classes and quickly discovered dissecting frogs was not for me, um, <laughs> and, and organic organic chemistry, biology, like right. basically failing out of those. Um, quickly mm-hmm. uh, changed my major. Uh, into um, business mm. and got into that and then got into um, information management, which was one of the kind of the courses. And I took a, a minor in healthcare administration. Wow. Um, so international business, a minor in healthcare administration. I, I did a study abroad term in, in Denmark. Wow. Uh, who's, um, everything was in English, uh, fortunately, because I didn't <laughs> speak any Danish. Um, not that many people do. Right. And, uh, and went back, um, was working in the summers in Palo Alto at, mm, at, at Stanford Silicon University. Valley. Right. Okay. Um, Pat Gentry's brother uh, was going to school there. Okay. We were uh, best friends. Nice. Roommates. And um, we, we ran some sports camps there. And then I got a job with a software company, Palo Alto, right across nice. from Facebook's office of like 20 people. And this is a software consulting in Cambria or yes. Cambria. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So yeah. now you're right right in the middle of Silicon Valley. This is, you know, 0406 Facebook was literally just trying to 20 something employees. Correct. Right. What was the vibe like in, in, in Silicon Valley at that point? And what did you learn? It had just kind of pulled itself up from the dot-com crash. Yeah. So, you know, I was lucky in terms of where I kind of got out. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I wasn't involved in any of that. Um, I didn't have enough money to lose in the stock market. Mm -hmm. To, to, to be kind of negatively affected. And, and I graduated from uh, university in 2004. Mm. So the economy kind of had, you know, got back on its feet. Right. And um, Silicon Valley, you know, like all the traffic had kind of gone away. Mm. And it was just kind of picking back up. So it was right. really, it was exciting, you know. Mm. Um, yeah, it was, it, was, it was exciting to be in software. It was exciting to be in Palo Alto. Right. Uh, a lot of smart people. I mean, you know, just you'd meet so many different people and, and you would just absorb it. Amazing. Yeah. Now in, in that setting, right. I want to understand the core foundational skills that you built. Cause then in software, it's not just all being devs, right? It's, it's, it's a team effort of a lot of multifunctional skills that in it, that allow a software company to thrive. Sure. Uh, what were those things that you, you started doing early and what were the skills that you developed over time? Yeah. So, um, I was more on the consulting side. So I would kind of sit with clients and mm. and get out of their head what they wanted to do and then translate to 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 devs that weren't maybe great at that kind of yes, conversational. The buffer in between. Yeah, I was kind of the buffer, like mm-hmm. account manager. Um, but 
the uh, owner of the company kind of took me under her wings okay. and just said, look, do you want to learn programming or do you want to oh. help me troubleshoot some of the software? Okay. Because I kind of had like an eye for it. Um, and I did study like information management, but I wasn't a developer. Right. And I became a self-taught developer. Oh, like co copy, copy and paste, copy and paste coder. I remember this. Yes. One of the first things you told me when you first met in person was you're, you're, you're the guy that built Sprouts MVP. Version one. V1. For me. Yeah. Oh for, our, for our company. Yeah. Look at him now acquiring companies left and right. Well, and version two. <laughs> was, <laughs> I was working with a small team on version two when I decided to uh, invite Pat to help um, just manage it because it was, you know, it was, it was a distraction from my day job. Right. Yeah. But, oh my God. Again, yeah. look at Sprout now again, just so the early hustles yeah. paying off. Yeah. Now, what were those foundational skills? Cause a lot of, I've had several um, self-taught coders or sure. devs out here, but back then it's not, you don't have the luxury of having YouTube university. Right now, no. all you need to do is we had experts exchange, and you know some of those other kind of community. How difficult was that? What were what, what was the the learning curve that you had to I overcome? Mean, I wasn't doing anything, you know, groundbreaking. Right, I was right. doing information management systems, HR records. Like it's pretty static information, mm -hmm. right? But we try to make it um, very user friendly in, in terms of entering data, um, reminding people of certain events like their annual appraisals, right? If a visa, like if it was a foreign worker that, hey, your visa is expiring, you know, mm -hmm. need to you know get back down to uh, um, Bureau of Immigration for renewal, like just pretty basic things. Yeah. Uh, and, and it was really when we started getting into payroll, when we found out how mm. complex and there's, you know, maybe a thousand ways to do payroll and, and many of the companies probably don't even do it by the book. Right. Um and so, yeah, I mean, that's that's when I found out the, the challenge of that. And that's a very unique hustle because you come from the PM's role, which is basically the intermediary between clients and devs. And typically they don't, they speak, they're very different languages. They speak very different languages. Right. Yes. And then now you go to the dev side and you're now very right in the thick of it, the thick of creating the solution for the problem. Did that change how you were wired and to, to solve problems? Because Devs are literally problem solvers. They're engineers. they're engineers. And they're, yeah. they're, they're wired to literally dissect each problem and write it in code. Did yeah. that change the way you, you know, look at things when, well, when you're doing I, that? As, as not being an engineer, mm -hmm. um, you know, I kind of looked at it more from the artistic standpoint where mm. code, you can write code probably 10 different ways that right. could solve the same, you know, mm -hmm. you take an input and you can translate it to become an output. And it's half art, half science. Yes. And uh, the art part, you know, I thought was also quite um, interesting. Mm. So I, this is where I, I, I want to do a deep dive a bit. Because a lot of people, I've, I've worked with devs for uh, over 10 plus years now. And I always say, right, okay, um, sometimes the, to a fault, devs can be very, very rigid. Like, ah, I'm a rate Ruby on Rails guy. I was solved it like sure. an old Ruby on Rails guy. And sometimes... Yeah. But sometimes I just really need, I need an MVP. I need a page at functions that I can show that I can sell. It doesn't have to work. Yeah. You don't need to give me two sprints to be able to give that up. Correct. Right. But how do you balance the art and science part? Because of course you don't want to tell the dev that, Hey, stop whatever you're doing because that's your art and you're going to hurt feelings in that process. But also 
that push and pull of hey, I just need something that I can sell at the moment. I'm I'm in sales. I need to sell. Yeah, fun. there's you know there's developers that want to do it perfectly, correct, and they want a full week or three weeks to to do it perfectly. Mm-hmm. And then there's some that will understand that you're looking for a quick shortcut because there's no money in the project unless someone's about to sign and pay exactly. for the project. Uh-huh. And having it done perfectly doesn't mean that we're going to have cash mm-hmm. coming in, correct? So I can pay you. And and they don't understand the developers don't always understand the commercial aspect of what we're trying to solve for. Yes. And that money just doesn't appear out of thin air. Right. A lot that's, of times. that's the ones that, that really break that, uh, or are able to cross the chasm are, are those devs that are able to understand, ah, that this is why it's not perfect. It sucks that we're going to have to do this, but yes, the money's here. We need to get these things going. So well, the money only goes engine. so far too. Correct. And, and you can all, I always say, look, you know, this is version one. We'll always come. I know you don't love mm-hmm. maybe how, how quickly we put this together, but we can always come back and, and make it, it perfect and make it better. Right. But don't Absolutely. let um, best be the enemy of kind of good. I love it. Now, yeah. okay. Now you, based on LinkedIn, you did this 2004-06 and this is where it gets really interesting because under the same company, is it, um, you now chief operating officer of Cambria Software Philippines. Is this the what led you to go here? Yeah, they 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 we had a Filipino dev um, okay. with a family in San Francisco area, and he's right. like, "I love the Philippines. I'm from there, okay. but don't send me and my family back there." Because <laughs> <Why? laughs> you know, he's like, "I want to come like, back." No, I'm no, I'm, I'm like I'm real good. Like everything's great for me and my family in the states. I'll go, you know, find find a a place for Mike to stay. Right. I'll be there for a week. I'll see my family and then I'm coming back, but we'll send Mike out. So I left December 30th, <laughs> 2006 okay. and arrived to a hungover um, <laughs> Philippines on January 1st. Like I didn't realize I lost a, a day flying um, and I didn't realize it, but uh, there was two flight attendants sitting right in front of me okay. on a flight and, and a flight attendant brought them um, glasses of champagne mid flight and said, Hey, it's, it's whatever new year's like we're crossing some dateline. Right. Like it just didn't make sense to me. I didn't really, <laughs> you know, travel enough uh, across international datelines to understand right, right. losing so much time. <laughs> yeah, I had the same experience last year. First time ever crossing. I went coast to coast and mid-flight, the DST kicked in. Oh yeah, I was like, what the hell is going on? And the people was like, yeah, it's gonna automatically. Clean. My 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 watch was manual. Yeah, so I was no. like, what time is it really now? I'm so confused. And I couldn't comprehend it. Oh shoot! It's spring just, forward, fall right? back. It's yeah. like, oh man, this is <laughs> this is so confusing for a Filipino that has standard time uh, year round. Year round. Yeah. Like, what the hell's going on? But yeah. no, okay. You get here, 07, software and BPO is already here, right? Uh, there's a little in, in, in its infancy, right? Very yeah. infancy. Yeah. Um, 07. That's actually when I took my first job as a call center agent. That's how I learned how to speak this way. Wow. Right. I, I've never been to the States. The only time I've been to the States was 2018. Okay. That's also already when I sold my second company. There you go. So, but I, I credit the BPO industry for telling me the most important skill that I've learned in my life. No, how to speak American. Oh, God. That's it. I knew how to communicate. Okay. But how to speak American, how to handle customers. Because I did tell them. American, American accent is what you're saying. Yes, exactly. Yeah. American accent. Because again, I, I used to speak like this, Michael Makola. Okay, it, it won't be beautiful if I talk to you like this. So I had to give myself an edge. And yeah. again, I learned that very early on in my life. Yeah. So credit to BPO industry. But walk me through what you saw and what's the opportunities that you've seen, um, especially being in software early on, because 
BPO back then was very much voice driven. What was that like? Yeah, that's right. So um, the majority of the clients, I think, were kind of coming over to do contact center work. Right. But we were one of those companies that came over to, to do very high level. You know, we were paying developers anywhere from three to 5,000 US dollars a month. Ooh, that's which is cheap. A, yeah, but that was a lot. That, that's a lot of money for the Philippines. Correct. Three but to 5,000. coming from the US. But that's cheap coming from Palo Alto. Right. And we were getting, you know, senior guys, you know, 10 years experience. Devs here. Devs in the Philippines. Wow. And, and it took me a while. You know, I'd probably interview 20 people. It'd take me two or three weeks to interview 20 and we'd hire maybe one. Hmm. So we kind of got the team up to about 15 plus. You know, very, very hundreds of interviews that you had to do. Yeah, hundreds. How did you even source that out? Because back then, again, let's just call it what it is. There's still a dev shortage here. It was in the Job Street back then. Job Street. But yeah. now in terms of walk, walk me through, like, what were the stacks you were trying to build for? Because at the end of the day, very early, what, still doing Java, PHP? What was that like? Yeah. So we were mostly um, a .NET, some oh, .NET. PHP. .NET, okay. And uh, we were doing some programs in, in a program language called Delphi. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, but it was basically whatever random software a client was using. Right. Uh, historically, they're running legacy stuff, and they needed to update it to mm. do more. So, whatever the client was using, we'd have to find someone that had that skill set. Got it. Is this so your? It could be Java, or it could be some of these other. Makes sense. Is this your languages? very first foray of how the arbitrage is such a beautiful the labor thing. arbitrage? Yeah, right. because you know, mm -hmm. in the U.S., we were charging one hundred forty dollars an hour for custom programming work. Wow. And here the going rate is well, we weren't paying I mean we of course, were definitely yeah. We were then charging we had an onshore rate and an offshore rate. So we had 140 onshore okay. and a, a seventy dollar offshore rate. Seventy bucks. That's a margin right there. An hour. Yeah. Easy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and mm -hmm. you know, I was I was an operations guy and I was making sure all of our every hour had to be accounted for in a programmer's day. Mm -hmm. We were like lawyers or accountants or something Correct. like that, right? We're You'd professionals. Build them out. We build, everyone has eight hours in a day. Yeah. Every single hour has to be billed. If you don't have a job, you have to do learning. You have to build it to like learning. Yeah. You're, you know, or you're working on maybe an internal tool, but every single block of time had to be billed against a job code. And at the end of, at, at the, end of the week, all your time had to be in. Because then mm. that went to invoicing, which is super important for cash flow, salaries, everything yep. else, right? Everything and, falls after that. And right. I was pretty militant with the team because mm. we built it from, from ground up. Right. And they just understood the culture. They are very good about doing their time. In the US, people wouldn't enter the time for like 30 or 60 days and then enter it in later and then right. know, build shock with clients. And yeah. So um, the owners of the company really appreciated um, kind of, you know, the, the management style that we right. were able to and the culture that we set up in this office. But what, what, last question before we take our first break. Yeah. What were the hardest parts coming in, right? <laughs> Literally in New Year's with a new new country. You probably okay. didn't know much people. What yeah. were the hardest parts you had to overcome to make this work? Because, of course, the, out, the outcome, we already, you told us about it. I'm pretty sure just what, there was a lot of pain that you had to go through to make that work. Yeah, there was a lot of pain. Um, I mean, just trying to get a PLDT DSL <laughs> was like... Like you had to know somebody who knew somebody that knew somebody. <laughs> and, um, and a shout out to like my account manager, Jeff, like shout out. Yeah. Uh, Jeff at PLDT. Yeah. He, he, he got it done for us eventually. Right. And, um, 
that was a real challenge. I mean, really, like, you, what was a bandwidth like? <laughs> I think it was a two point five megabit per second DSL line. Me? Yeah, two thousand seven. <laughs> and we, we we had just had that um, earthquake in in Taiwan. Yep, that knocked out two yeah, of the, the main cables. links, the cables. Right. Oh, and so man. the whole country's internet was like, like I, I almost <laughs> didn't think I, I almost didn't think it was going to work because the internet was so slow. Right. Yeah. It was like, yeah. There was like certain internet cafes that were mm. on eastern that had a different line and that one was better and mm. yeah it was um that was a challenge for i think probably the first two months i was wow. here before those links got restored right yeah. well, what about the nuances like you know culture language did, uh, it, did people call you poggy you know <laughs> i got joe a lot right. hey joe and um I got sir and that that sir <laughs> that drove was me, weird for sir sure. drove me crazy. I was twenty five years old, like <laughs> you know, most people were as older as you know. Yeah, I was pretty young, so to be called sir. I mean, I worked on them constantly. Like, dude, like don't don't call me sir. Like, it's just weird. <laughs> and um, and you know, the core team, probably the first five employees, finally got it, and they, they would finally call me Mike, which I appreciated. Right, but then like the next ten and just. Everyone is Sir Mike. Yeah, there you go. it's always Sir Mike. It's mm -hmm. always, and, 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 and even today, like I don't fight it anymore. <laughs> it's going to be hard. It's you, hard. Have to have, you have to have someone who's going to police like, nope, don't call that guy Sir. Nobody yeah. calls somebody Sir. Yeah. But it works. I, I got this in a call center. Every single company that I've created, except the new one that I've created, I have a new uh, side business called uh, Papa Pressure. Okay. It's a pressure washing business. Nobody does this here. Oh, I love a it. service. I, I love mean, it. Right? And Papa is a prefix of to do, pa, or we, I will okay. pressure. So, okay. um, so I'm going to clean the whole Manila up because it's filthy. Right? But I don't want yeah. nobody to call me just run there, random schmuck from, it's like, hey, run. Like every, but every single company I've created, guest list, party file, chatbot, PNA. Yeah. Call standard style. EOP. Yeah. No sirs. It yeah. works because it also removes the stigma of this weird thing that you have to put people on a pedestal and it, you can't communicate. Yeah. It's so weird. Yeah. I mean, again, you know, I was the non-programmer mm. working with programmers, right? These guys were, you know, from a program standpoint, like, you know, brilliant. Right. I mean, they could, they, this team that we were able to hire mm -hmm. with that budget, you know, you know, these guys were rock stars. Absolutely. They were really, really great. Uh, uh, the U.S. clients um, couldn't be happier. Right. These guys, you know, Great, great work ethic. Um, just fun to work. Just really fun people. Like we, you know, every Friday night we're doing, you know, I was buying uh, buckets of beer and, and we'd go, you know, uh, karaoke. How did you not gain weight with all the rice and beer here? Um, that didn't make sense. Yeah. Well, I, I still work out. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. All right. Now let's take our first break. And when we come back, we will now talk about how did this experience uh, technically materialize more and how that led to creating KMC. We'll sure. talk about that more after the break. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrowcom slash ACAST. That's burrowcom slash ACAST. burrowcom slash ACAST. 
Hey guys, I have a very, very exciting opportunity I want to share with you guys. If you're a B2B startup founder, listen up. Your ticket to growth is here. Introducing Impact24, the Philippines' largest B2B SaaS challenge. Calling all startups in their pre-launch, pre-seed, or seed stages. This is your chance to accelerate their growth. Submit your pitch to Impact24 and get ready for a 10-week intensive program to elevate your solution. What's in it for you? How about up to 500,000 pesos in MVP project support, exclusive credits from industry partners, personalized mentoring, and a shot to pitch at SASCon PH, the country's biggest SAS conference this April. But yo, you gotta hurry up because submissions close on January 26, 2024 already. Don't miss out on this opportunity to take your startup to new heights. Apply now at saschallenge.ph. That's saschallenge.ph. And good luck, and I'll see you guys in Impact 24. And we're back in the break. We are still with Michael McCullough and told us the, the origin of how he got here in the Philippines and through 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 diving. So after Cambria, right? Or Cambria. Cambria, you, yeah. Um, you still did a couple of uh, similar uh, setups, but what was the next few stints that you did and what did you discover about now the potential of doing offshoring or BPL technically from, well, from, from let me just how let me just tell you how how kind of I ended things with Cambria. Okay. They they, they love the operations and, and set up that um, we got going in, in Manila. Okay. And they said, look, why don't you come back to San Francisco and, and, and run the San Francisco office? Oh, okay. Now the office was, everyone was twice my age. They're 50, right. kind of, you know, foreign developers, Russians and, and, and Eastern Europeans. And yep. not the same culture. Like we weren't going for beers and, and, and mm-hmm. pizza on Friday nights, right? Um, couldn't even get them out to lunch. <laughs> uh, they, they wouldn't even oh, so really come into the office. Back. But well, they wanted me to go back, and, right. and and just the culture wasn't the same. Like my heart yeah. was really here in the Philippines, right? So you fell in love with yeah. the Philippines. No, not well. Yeah, Philippines, right? First, yeah. okay, yeah. No, no girls yet. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about that later. The country, the country, yeah, the country, the country. All right. Um, and and I, I was like, look, I, I did an amazing job for you guys. I know how much money you're printing here because mm-hmm. I'm getting the invoices in every week, yeah. and um, you know, I, you should cut me in. Like, give me ten percent of everything we bill. Right. And, or give me 10% of the company or, you know, I right. came in guns a blazing and like, yeah, that's never going to happen. Mm. Good luck. And I said, well, then I guess I have to like resign. Makes sense. And, right. uh, and he saw the paper trail. Yeah. Right? I mean, when you, yeah, you saw, yeah. When you see the numbers and yeah, like, that man, makes sense. And you're not and, getting cut of that. And I'm not getting cut of it. And I'm taking calls, you know, with clients in America at midnight, Yeah, you know, on like the Thursday nights and whatever yep. it is, because that's when they're waking up. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I just kind of felt that you know my my efforts, uh, you know, it was I, I wasn't getting any equity. Let's just put it Makes that way. Sense. And um, in the Silicon Valley, it's all about like the graffiti artists of Facebook. You know, got a few shares that you yep. know made them worth you know millions and millions of dollars. Um, the receptionists at uh, at YouTube, you know. So I'm coming from that perspective. Mm-hmm. Was that the itch that then technically took you on? Because again, when when you want equity, that's an entrepreneurial mindset already. That's like all right, you want to be an owner, right? You, you want to like you want to own you know. a piece of what you're hustling for, correct? Right now, because uh, at the end of the day, you're, you're as entrepreneurs, hustling is not alien to us. We know that we're gonna hustle, but yeah. we know that I want I'm doing this for me, and there's because, a pot of gold potentially. Exactly, yeah. because there's a l- bigger pot of gold that that that. that 
towards the end of the, the rainbow, right? Now, uh, uh, when you realized this, what were the next opportunities you took on? With the, and did you ask for equity at that point? Well, so obviously uh, I asked for equity. That, okay. was a, that was a pretty clear no. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> no, it was a hail no. That was, yeah, that was like a nice try. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, they didn't, Maybe I don't know. Maybe they thought about it for about two seconds, but um, <laughs> nope. but no. Uh-huh. Uh, and then, yeah, so then uh, one of my friends was working on a startup and he's like, look, we have an equity package. Mm. It's not a lot of uh, base pay, whatever, 26, like, I, you know, I keep, keep my costs low. Right. And uh, I was working for a startup and we were doing, you know, some interesting stuff. It was content editing. Oh. Yeah. That was at Neuron Global. Oh. And working for a very, very bright guy. He was, um, you know, ex-MIT. So, you Ooh. know. Yeah, he, and the I, operations are still here. And the back office was here. So sales was in the U.S. Yeah, all right. And, I mean, he was a great you know, the only, the only thing I can really say is like, he was just such a great mentor and I was contemplating going, going to business school. He had, you know, gone to uh post, uh, post-grad school. So working under him, just seeing how he lays out ideas and, and, and ideates and puts, writes things down and takes notes and action items. Like he was, um, he was, he was, he was very, very smart and uh really good attitude, good energy, all that stuff. So, um, again, I learned a lot from from him, and then two thousand eight came in. Now, what? Okay, twenty two thousand eight. Of course, we all know that you know that's where the big short happened, right? mm. or whatever. Whatever real estate market crash in the U.S. Yeah. and what that. But I want to understand first the global financial crisis, really, right? But of course, yeah. we all know who caused it, right? <laughs> Couple of guys and whatnot, right? Yeah. All right, but um, I, I want to understand first the, the 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 role of the mentors that you talked about, yeah. Because a lot of entrepreneurs, if if they're fortunate. Some guys, I'm I'm so baffled how they're able to do it without having a role model. It's so hard if you don't have someone you can emulate with little habits, advice, or everything else in between. But what are those things that you learned from this mentor? If you want to give him a shout out, let's give him a shout out too. Because yeah, Sid Darius, Darius Sid, said said Perota. Okay, yeah, and he's gone on to raise you know with the new company. Um, trying to remember the name, but uh, he he raised fifty million what? from um. Tiger Global. Tiger Global. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. And he had a big, he had like a hundred person team in Ukraine. Are you which kidding then me? Obviously fell apart during the war. Right, and, correct. You know, uh, you're yeah. two, two years ago, I guess, um, had to relocate them. But what were these indelible marks that you, again, you mentioned these writing down, but what, what are those things that Darius, Darius was doing? I mean, he was just, you know, he was a guy that was willing to think big. How big? Yeah. Global I mean, domination big? I, I mean, he, he just had, you know, kind of that big picture mm. idea and, you know, maybe from, from either a, a smaller uh, upbringing or, or the Philippines, you know, you're happy just to like dominate South right. village. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you'd be happy just to turf Little, war South Sada village. In a small pond type <laughs> yeah, of thing. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Now with that learning then, uh, again, walk me through the 2008 crash because a lot, it's very akin now to what it is, like funding winter. I mean, it's, it's not as bad. There's wars and whatnot. Yeah. But there's different. opportunity in, when, adver- in adversity. What what did you find here and how did that we lead to We literally went the next from week? talking to our clients uh-huh. on the phone in September okay. to calling them the next week and, and the line has been disconnected. Wow. Like 100 person companies or 200 person companies. Gone overnight. Just like literally gone overnight. Oh my God. Like one week later. Like that quickly. 
How did that affect you guys out here? I mean, we just started running out of cash. I mean, these were paying clients. Like we were cash flow positive yeah. coming into September. I mean, we had to push really hard to get cash flow positive as a startup. And then we were like trying to pivot and, and yeah. trying to come up with scramble for whatever. Scramble and trying to pivot. And, and I just kind of didn't think that the direction was going to really save us. Right. And um, basically, I was the last employee December 15th, 2008. Are and yeah, I had to close out the office. Um, and we had just signed a three year lease. And so he asked me to find a subtenant to take on the lease. Is this the first uh, uh, evolution? But I want to understand first one thing, how that felt. So I went through that. My first company obviously failed. Uh, A lot of it's my fault. I I, I, I say again, it's compounding little mini cuts that if you don't nip it in the bud, it will balloon. And now you have the snowball to, to push up the hill and gravity against you. But- what were what did that feel? I can tell you, it feels pretty shitty to lose your job December fifteenth, <laughs> and, and, and zero severance. It was just like no, oh. there's no, there's no severance. I mean, well, my friends tell me there's like a mandatory right severance for, for no, no, no. There's no money in the account. There's like thousand yeah, dollars in the bank. Like there's nothing. Oh man, like it's all gone. You're on your own. Yeah, right. And you're just like no, wow, but this- letting people go part because you love them I mean, you, you you built that team what yeah that i mean feel like yeah that that i mean people saw the writing on their wall and, mm. and and luckily the job market in the philippines has just kind of always just gone up and to the right right i mean you know salaries yep. demand yep um these are super qualified employees that you know had been working very closely with foreigners that were you know really pushing them and <laughs> i mean they all got absorbed they all got jobs like got it. instantly um, but being the last, be the captain of the ship. That yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, it wasn't a fun feeling. Um, mm-hmm. And I can, it went by like those last three months mm-hmm. from like clients just like not picking up the phone. Shit, it was literally. I know the feeling. I mean, it was us doing shots of vodka and Red Bull and then getting <laughs> on the phones and calling people. That's that's what it was. It was. Wow. Yeah, it was like do or die. Like, okay, let's you know take a couple shots to start you know cold calling right. and and just seeing what works. But nobody picks up. Um, and then just yeah, less and less. Like, well, there's a website, and then there's a phone number, and it doesn't work. It's oh my goodness! Now, okay, you this this last thing that you were asked to do, you had a lease, you had to sublease it. What what sparked into that very dark time that was supposed to be like the end of the road, and how did that materialize into KMC? Yeah. So, you know, I was very aware of kind of the online portals at the time and, and got some photos and a little description and, and my contact details. And um, a bunch of people started inquiring Ooh. for the 35 seats or something, you know, 35 desks or 40 desks or something in this room. Right. And it was like magically like two 20 person companies needed office space. Okay. And this was plug and play and, you know, there's right. even computers. I mean, everything was set up, ready to go. And wow. they took it over and I was getting 10% a month. Finder's mm. fee. It was, oh, I don't know, 200, 200 bucks or something like a month. Um, and I just said, I did this like 10 times. That's $2,000 a month in, in the Philippines, 100,000 pesos a month, you know, it's coming pretty, in. That's, yeah, pretty comfortable. In 2008, right? You're yeah. pretty comfortable on that. Yep. Yeah. And it's just, you know, hitting your bank account every month. Like, wow. It, it was kind of. Where were these leads coming from? Uh, Craigslist and and OLX and you know whatever those right. uh, 
And all Sulet, 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 number? Sulet, Sulet. Sulet yeah, 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 yeah. Shout yeah. out RJ David. There you go. Yeah, there you go. No, but and they all went and, through you. Yeah, they all went to my my personal cell phone. Wow. My smart number. Yeah. Someone might dig that up somewhere right yeah. now <laughs> and figure out those listings yeah. and, and creep them out. But okay, now you have this, but you were doing this for a finder's fee, right? When did it yeah. cross your mind that, you know what? Holy shit, I can do this for myself. Yeah, so um, I was living with my business partner, the K in KMC. Who's K, by the so way? Let me, yeah, let me give you the... The, uh, the etymology of KMC. Sure. So it's uh, a guy named Greg Kittleson, American. Um, he's got to be about eight years older than me. Got it. How'd and you meet him? I met him the first week I was in the Philippines. Uh, his partner, the the C, okay. Amanda Carper Rufino, uh-huh. Was a lawyer, XPWC, and she had met with oh. BOI, and I'd come over, um, kind of on a BOI uh, junket trip. Gotcha. Like so, we'd register BOI in San Jose, California. Mm-hmm. Said you'll meet with our colleagues, and you know they'll help you invest in the Philippines. So KMC is Killison McCullough Carpo. Carpo. Yeah. There you go. There you go. So I met them the first week I was here under Cambria. Okay. And I hired them oh. to incorporate us. Ah, and so they were. Everything's super slow, and you know I'm fall. I'm, you know, <laughs> it's still slow now, by the way. So yeah, it's still slow to incorporate. <laughs> yeah, um, it wasn't any faster back then, and uh, you know I was just like constantly grilling Amanda because I was getting constantly grilled um, by the U.S. Like, <laughs> we're taking this what's, forever. It, it takes like a, a three days to incorporate an LLC in California or something. Right, like, right. why is it Singapore? You know, it's overnight. Why is it like uh-huh. been a month or two, two and a half months? Uh-huh. Uh, that's amazing. <laughs> that's crazy. So, okay, KMC, was it basically a, a, the child of that experience of you trying to sublease? And how did you then d- decide that, all right, yeah. bet, let's do it. I, this is the business model. So, Cambria had subleased some office space with, um, with Kittleson and Carpo. Ah, so you became the client. So we now. were all kind of um, in a in a shared, shared desk environment. Like, we all had desks. Got it. Like, there was no... There were some rooms, but um, mm-hmm. yeah. So we were all kind of just working out in the open, and and Greg and I really hit it off when I um, like a a date, like you know, there was a couple couple guys, couple girls, yep, yep, and uh, and and it yeah. worked, and it worked. Magic happened. Mag- the magic happened, mm-hmm. and uh, and I, again, he was eight years older than me, and you know, kind of just in a different uh, stage of life, and right than I was, and uh, and. But you know, we connected over some stuff and mm-hmm. um, ended up being roommates. And then he kind of saw me working for this company that was, you know, kind of falling apart. Ah. And we were kind so of. I saw this process of you trying to save it and uh, subleasing and yeah. everything else. Oh, and and we set, and and we set up um, a website. So at Kittles and Carpo, they were constantly incorporating businesses. And the first thing a business needs is a, is an address, a business address. Makes sense. And they need to find a place for their five person team that's going to go to 10 that they think could go to whatever 500 Got and um, doing these five-year leases doesn't make a lot of sense for them. Right. So, yeah. And that's a big ask, especially if you're a startup starting out and you're just trying to get five Filipinos to, to really help you out. Why do you have to go through all of this bullshit in between, yeah. right? If you're just yeah. trying to like set up shop, outsource it out, take the advantages and fruits of labor arbitrage and also great talent that's out here yeah right why do you have to go through that so now it makes sense to you you have partners who who's who helps incorporate yeah you're the guy who knows how to build teams and also sublease it and, out now find 
right? So find find sublease sub, uh-huh. sub real estate, right? And yeah. Also go upstream all the way to where we're to get deal flow and, yeah. and, and whatnot. Now this the, that's where the magic is. Yeah. How did you then get this ball rolling? Because my God, the way you guys scaled, I had never seen like that. I, I, I was telling you this when I, I like wrestled. Well, a bit. We just yesterday were in the papers for the Inquire top 10 growth companies. Ooh, so yeah. again, dude, here's the thing. I, I know you hit it off at one point pre-pandemic. It's like holy shit, these guys are big. Because when I do my um, speed speed check, my yeah. my internet check, and they pull it, it tells me where the the data the is coming from, the server is coming from. Yeah. It's like KMC Solutions somewhere. Yeah, like, what the fuck? <laughs> what is going on here? Because typically it's Globe, yeah. Smart Summer, whatever. Someone's channeling me stuff, but you're the only non-telco that I typically see. Yeah, giving me data. It's like yeah. how that that already was a sign. Yeah, I was like, wow, who's they they're they're up to something. Yeah, so, we have a speed test server exactly. that we host. Amazing. So, yeah. how did you then go from all right KMC? What were the first few steps that you had to really get this going? Because you already had the formula, but now it's you. Yeah. So you know we're we're in a shared space, um, and 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 that lease was coming to an end. And uh, where's the first office, by the way? It was Trident Tower. Trident. So Trident. right next to RCBC, where the old Shell station was. Got it. All right. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. And, um, and then we moved into Chatham house, which is kind of a lesser known building in South State village. And yep, then right at, uh, along Rafino Avenue. Yes. Near 100%. the KFC that. Yes. <laughs> yes KFC. Wow. Right. Yeah. You know, South I know my hood, bro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, um, very quickly, you know, we're, we're doing, you know, site selection work for these kind of smaller companies. And mm-hmm. we, we hired, a, a our employee number one mm-hmm. name is, um, Cha or, Rosario, Cha mm-hmm. Carbonell, still up. with us today. Shout out, Cha. Mm-hmm. There you She's go. Been with us um, almost fifteen years this March. Oh my god, yeah, that's a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, Pretty sure you gave her equity already. Sorry to stay here that long. Well, you know, right. we offered it to her on day one, and she said no. What? <laughs> Cha, why did you not take it? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, we've since forced her to take it. I think in 2016, and oh, she yeah. was a little more open to taking it then. But yeah, in 2009, you couldn't, you can't eat equity. You can't eat options in the Philippines. Oh my god, it's just you, yeah. It's People now better, know better now. Well, yeah. um, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Given our series of successes, of course, yeah, I think people <laughs> are begging to get into yeah. the cap table now. You know? the Sierra, Sierra Leone diamond equivalent. Type, yeah, right. Correct. So. Correct. So anyway, so we found a space mm-hmm. in Rufino Tower. Yeah. Um, it happened to be Amanda's uh, cousin's, Amanda's uncle's um, floors. Yeah. That whole street is called Rufino. Yeah, 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 that's right. Okay. So, mm-hmm. but that building, Rufino Tower. Right. Um, it's strata titles. Not all the owners are. Right. You know, but we, we found um, a, a very workable space. It was pretty much fully fitted out. We had to buy the furniture. Mm-hmm. And um, and nobody had ever used it because of Ooh. also the global financial crisis. Of course. Right. So right. they fitted out. I mean, never been used. Um, and we got it kind of for maybe 50 cents on a dollar. We probably didn't negotiate. Wow. Enough, but it was perfect for us. 50 workstations. We were going to operate in one of the smaller rooms, and we would lease out kind of the other thirty, right? And and we did. We leased them out, and that client went from thirty to another fifty desks. So we took more space in the building. That's your next kind of um, yeah. And then we went to Piccadilly Star and, and BGC, and 
take a half floor that leased out and take the other half floor and that leased out and then take another, the last remaining half floor that leased out. Now we were like pedal to the metal, you know, down to our last peso. My girlfriend at the time and her family's like, look, we'll, we'll give you a loan for a year. Oh, Yeah. And it was pretty sizable given that we were just boyfriend, girlfriend at the time. Right. Right. Um, and she's like, you know, you better get that last half of, of, of an office God. in Piccadilly. Like, and yeah, I mean, she really, you know, pushed no, and, and, and believed, which is huge. What amazes me is again, if you if you're not trying to piece this together, they bootstrap this. We bootstrapped it all the way till March 2019. Holy shit! So, <laughs> ten years of bootstrapping it. Oh my god! How, yeah. Okay, now, now I want to understand the financial discipline and the financial techniques that allowed you to bootstrap it because cash, this is a cash flow game. You don't get enough cash. You don't. You know, the, yeah, one domino that that stalls to fall, it will affect everything. How? Yeah. What were these foundational techniques that you were able to get through to make sure invoices come through? Yeah, because it's a whole ecosystem now, and we'll discuss that in a bit. But that it starts with that. How did you yeah. make sure that you I, guys are paid on time and make sure that you know it, it doesn't get stalled? Because the Philippines has a very very bad habit of not paying so, you on time. Yeah, ninety two percent of people don't pay on time. Yeah, and the big fish. Are the worst offenders. 100%. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually wrote a, uh, a biz buzz piece. <laughs> I was quoted in a biz buzz in, in 2020 about had just the top five companies paid their vendors yeah. net 30, it would have released something like, you know, a billion and a half of, of receivables. They would have gone into the SME market. Correct. And they could have then released to their yeah. subcons and employees. And we wouldn't have needed bank banking and finance. Exactly. Like just have the big boys pay on time. But there were scared every, money mode at that point. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, everyone was scared to run out of money. So uh-huh. um, we used some software, uh, invoicing software that would automatically send, you know, aggressive. Built in-house? No, no, no. It was called um, Get Cashboard. Ooh. I don't know if it still exists anymore, but right. it was not BIR compliant, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> so we had to stop using it. But uh, but we definitely used it. And it, hey, it got it, paid. And we got paid mm-hmm. and we were getting paid on PayPal. I mean, we would take diamonds. We would have taken, you know, gold bricks. <laughs> like we said, Ivory. You know, you know? we would have taken any forms of payment, um, pretty right. much. Any any forms of currency. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just made it really easy to, to do business with ourselves. Got it. Um, and this is cross-border payments because a lot of the clients are overseas. Correct. Correct. Makes and sense. so actually PayPal worked um, pretty well. I mean, there were credit card fees and um, we would kind of charge that back. And uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. Now, how did you build that ecosystem? Last question before we take our first break, because I remember Patrick telling me that, you know, one of the biggest pain points you had to guys, <laughs> you guys had to go through is okay. You, you, you went from literally the businesses, you lease a property, you sublease it out. Yes. But you got to fill that 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 uh, place with competent employees depending on what that is. So you now you're building a whole ecosystem of not just giving them seats but filling those those seats with people and who's recruitment super diverse yeah. um you know spectrum. Yeah. What, how did you fill that up and of course pay them on time. Shout out to Sprout because they Patrick told me about this. So um yeah, I mean recruitment's probably everyone's biggest challenge yeah. around the world, not Unique to any company or any, a lot of any, talent, any country. But a lot of them are unqualified. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we were lucky to be working with some um, very good brands early on. Mm-hmm. So one of the the first big you know brands um, I remember signing with us uh, was eBay. What? 
Yeah. Yeah. And we were like, um, can you just PayPal us? They own PayPal at the time. Yeah, and they're like, oh, no, no, no. We have to like, why are you out of Switzerland? Mike? Oh, okay, <laughs> fine. Like, can you just, just pay, pay us though, please? Yeah, I know. Uh, they weren't even great about paying on time. Um, because it was just so bureaucratic to kind of get through course. the vendor. So many layers. So many layers. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah. So, you know, hiring for that and then saying that that was one of our logos and that was in one of our offices, like mm-hmm. gave us some real street cred. Absolutely. Yeah. And um and we were also, you know, many younger entrepreneurs or 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 owners of businesses were coming to the Philippines and then they were being part of that interview process. God. And so like, wow, I'm going to get to work for this guy. He's really experienced. He's a nice foreigner. Like it's a different vibe. It's a mm-hmm. nicer kind of environment. And so those companies sold themselves. Now it was our job to get people to the interview process, which is also Woo, pretty impossible hard. too. <laughs> Just the physicality of getting somebody to show up. GMC talents. Well, there you go. yeah. I mean, shout yeah. out to my wife. I don't know if you know that I told you about this. She's the one running your social media, Lit Digital, for the longest time. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you did. Yeah. yeah. So, again, yeah, you have good, good, good content go. out there. I guess. Lit Digital, of course, my lovely wife, Noreen Legaspi Betyang. There, there you go. go. Run, yeah. running, running KMC. She, dude, you won't believe how many times she's going to, oh, look at what we're doing for KMC. I see, I get first dibs. <laughs> what they're posting for you. Probably more than, yeah. Woo-wee. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little removed from that. From that, that that's actually and deep and navy blue. It's all over oh, really? our house. Good. Yeah. See, so, look at this. Yeah, there you there. go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the mugs. He's yeah. referring to the mugs. Kittleson is in charge of marketing. Mm-hmm. So he was, you know, he was uh, the number one sales biz dev uh, at every single networking event. The hustler. He was the true hustler. Mm-hmm. Um, somewhere uh, on our path, I decided to, get, you know, get go down the route of um, marrying my girlfriend. There you go. You know, having a family and, uh, and probably not going out you know, seven nights a week. <laughs> um, settle down. Uh, yeah. Mm. So I settled down and Greg continued to go to every single networking event, um, you know, seven, seven days a night, seven, Holy seven nights. A week. That's amazing. Yeah. Now, all right. Last question. Oh, sorry. I, I said the last question, but last question. You couldn't do this alone with just the three of you and chop. Who no. were the foundational hires that you guys had on board to keep you from scaling? Because again, shout out to Patrick Gentry. We'll talk about this after the break. Yeah. Rule three and ten: As your company expands tenfold, shit breaks apart. But who yeah. are those financial financial hires you had to hire? Well, you know, we, we started hiring um, interns because pretty oh, much that's all we could afford. So we had like too. we had like thirteen <laughs> interns paying, you know, getting a hundred hundred fifty pesos a day and some yep, free lunch yep. or something like that. Mm-hmm. And they would help us with all the um, all of our SEO work. Mm. They were doing you know links, link generation, backlink content, yep. you know blog post, whatever. And that made sure that us and our websites, if you search anything about office space in the Philippines, yeah. we were one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. God. Across like, maybe we had like three or four different domains. Mm. I mean, they were just destroying certain long tail keywords. Right, know. right. Um, they didn't probably even understand why the hell they're doing it, but they-, they No one, no one understood online uh, at that time. Yeah. It was really early days of online marketing. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and re, you know, traditional real estate people didn't believe in it. And yeah. it's all, it's a, you know, relationship. Game. Did you absorb and, some of those interns and are they still with you? Then? Um, so n- no, but the, the story is like, we, we did absorb one of them and, and her name was Carol Gaza. And mm-hmm. then we got to that 30 employee mark. And like she didn't report directly to the founders anymore. Right. You know, she had to like 
Layers. Layers, layers. And, and that was kind of heartbreaking for me. And I was also like pulling my hair out. I was like not happy, um, super stressed. And I read a book called The Rockefeller Habits by Vern Harnish. Mm. And he just said, when you get to 30 employees, you don't get FaceTime with all your employees anymore. Nope. And your counting system's going to break. And yep. I was like, dude, our counting system's breaking. Like we're on QuickBooks. Like nothing's working. Um, I, I don't enjoy working anymore because I'm not working with the core team anymore. Correct. And uh, it really spoke to me. And then he's like, oh. and then wait till it gets to 100 employees. Yep. That's why I, never, I always say this. As a founder and CEO are two different jobs. Yeah. Uh, right? Because yeah. that's where you literally cross that chasm, that transition from everything direct one down founder. You're still founder at the start. And you'll, you'll never, nobody will be able to take that from you. Sure. But you start becoming a CEO around a 30, 30 head count mark. Because yeah. then you start, and start thinking. The question is, do you really want to be CEO? Because not everyone's built for it. And not everyone's built for it. And, and I have a lot of weaknesses, you know, particularly probably around HR and stuff like that. So um, even a little bit, you know, particularly taxation in the Philippines is still <laughs> after 17 years and probably 20 so different BIR <laughs> audits, uh, still learning right. all the tricks of the trade. Yeah. Um, it's not, no, it's not for everyone. And it's definitely not for every founder. Definitely. I mean, founders could be really great product people or, or salespeople even. Yeah. And they probably add more value to their company doing what they love. Exactly. Than keeping the CEO title. Exactly. That's, that's so, absolutely true. Um, and, and, you know, I've just gone through that. So we, we've actually announced um, two CEOs for some of the early businesses. Wow. So basically it started with KMC Mag Group. That kind of branched out to KMC Savills, which is a full service brokerage firm, roughly 40 empl 400 employees. Uh, um, that's with what that group. Savills is. Like, what the hell is KMC Savills? Yeah. So Savills is the UK listed um, uh, real estate services business. God it's a publicly listed company, 800 offices around the world. Holy um, crap. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. All right, now let's take our last break and when we come back, we will now talk about that. You know, scaling, sure. what are the tips and the trades, and of course, how you also scaled. And of course, we're going to be asking you a lot of tips and tricks. Okay. Because you, there's not a lot of company, there's not a lot of CEOs have seen scale like this. That's true. And a lot of us are going to go through that, are going through that, or are already struggling through that as we're listening to this episode. But let's talk about that more after the break. Hey Hustlers, it's time to talk business once again and we're excited to share a bit more info about our sponsors, Sprout Solutions. And again, just like what I said at the start of the episode, you should check out Sprout's Payroll Starter as you grow your own startup. Because this bundle that they have is literally what you need to take your startup to the next level as you grow your employees. And this bundle is your key to freedom, including payroll outsourcing to experts, a subscription to timekeeping and attendance software, and government compliance services. Sprout's Payroll Starter has you covered for payroll, BIR, SSS, and taxes. All the stuff that no founder loves to do. So let Sprout handle the busy work and say goodbye to lines and tax payment stress. All this for as low as 5,000 pesos. Again, that's just 5,000 pesos all in for your payroll and HR needs. So visit sprout.eh payroll-starter-monthly-5k or again, just click the link in the description box of this episode to elevate your business management game. And again, big thank you to Sprout Solutions for liberating your time for what truly matters. 
Hey hustlers, wish there was an easy way to open a bank account and grow your money without the hassle of lengthy application process and income documents? Well, I got good news because today's sponsor, Uno Digital Bank, is here to help you achieve your financial goals. You can easily open an account with the Uno app in just five minutes and one valid ID. And as one of the six digital banks licensed by the Banco Central ng Pilipinas, the company is committed to providing customers with simpler, better, and more accessible banking. Last year, Uno Bank was recognized by the Asia Banking and Finance Awards and bagged the title Open Banking Initiative of the Year due to the success of its partnership with GCash, one of the Philippines' leading mobile wallet platforms. And with the Uno mobile app, you can access an hashtag Uno Ready Savings account and enjoy daily interest crediting. With their hashtag Uno Earn or hashtag Uno Boost Time Deposit accounts, you can enjoy a high interest rate of up to 6.5% per annum. Enjoy monthly payouts with hashtag Uno Earn and flexible tenors with hashtag UnoBoost. Other app features include pay bills, the Uno Virtual Debit MasterCard, life insurance, scan and pay with QRPH, and phones. And the one thing that I really love about Uno Digital Bank is they're open to collaborate with a lot of Filipino startups. I've had a chance to see the partnerships that they've had lined up with the startups that they have, and it's truly exciting to see how a digital bank like Uno can enable startups to unlock the power of fintech through digital banking. So if you're ready to elevate your banking experience, download the Uno mobile app today from the Google Play Store or App Store. Or if you want to collaborate with them, I'll be happy to give you an intro. Just shoot us an email at hello at huffleshare.com. Hey, Hustlers, I hope you're having a great 2024 so far. As you know, a lot of startups had a very challenging 2023, and hopefully things are going to do better this year for a lot of us. Not just because it's the year of the dragon, but also because our sponsor, Dragon Pay, is here to help your startups process payments in the most efficient way. Established in 2010, Dragon Pay empowers businesses of all sizes to accept and disperse payments through secure and convenient channels, giving your customers the flexibility to choose the payment method that suits them best. With over 85 partner channels, 35,000 partner branches nationwide, including QRPH, e-wallets, crypto, buy now, pay later, and many more. They also process an astonishing 15 million transactions processed globally each month. Dragon Pay is your trusted choice for online payments. And here's something to show you how legit Dragon Pay is. Dragon Pay was named FinTech of the Year at last year's Philippine FinTech Festival in 2020. So let's make 2024 extra prosperous for you and your startup in this year of the Dragon. For more details, head on over to dragonpay.ph. That's dragonpay.ph. Trust the pioneer. Trust Dragon Pay. back to the break we are still with michael mccullough then told us the amazing growth but again we'll go right into the weeds here because again before we took our last break you mentioned that things break apart right things and it's break um, when you grow as you as you grow and as a founder you need to be cognizant of where you're going to make the most impact and even reinvent yourself as a founder even as a leader yeah um and i'll just call it what it is just several days ago you just guys, you guys announced a major milestone of how big you got. Can you just describe that major milestone that you guys announced? Yeah, so it went in the newspaper. So I guess this is uh, you know not private anymore. Um, 
But yeah, we were uh, one of the Inquire Growth Champions. Woo-wee! And uh, for 2022, uh, we had like a, a 52% annual growth rate from 2019 to 2022. And we hit 8.597 billion pesos. What the fuck? And that's 2022. <laughs> Yeah, How do I, I can't. Even, I'm just trying to imagine what that 2023 number after all the yeah, are done. Yeah, we probably would have grown another 2020. Man, you're all over the place. You guys, I've seen the, these these new spots and what again. I know because my wife uh, works with you as a supplier. Yeah. But my goodness, yeah. Again, the I the, the amount of amazing stuff you've done is not a fluke. But I want to understand the weeds now. So you sure. mentioned prior to the break that you had to literally go through that process of now going from three and 10 shout out to Patrick Gentry again who told me this because I think I know, told him that by the way because I read uh, that book first and I said <laughs> things are gonna break when you get when you're when you're growing sprout from your seven right. man and startup I had an episode I'll just I digress a bit um on Founders Only, the sequel of Hustle Share you can check it out on, on the description of this episode below he talked about this that when they got to 100, 300, oh my God, the, the type of problems you were dealing with was like, why do we have 20 people in this meeting? It doesn't make sense. And like, yeah. so, so it came from the Rockefeller Habits book. Book. Right. Rule from of Three Bernhard. and yeah. Right. Now, it'll have that ep- uh, episode in the description box or no, in the show notes uh, of this episode. But what did you learn about that and how did you prepare? Because here's what it, here's what most fucked up part. Even if you know about it, when it hits you, Nobody, nothing can prepare you. How did you then yeah. overcome these 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 multiple yeah. sc- scales of threes and tens and whatnot that you? So overcome? probably the 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 solution or the one that's probably most effective that's easiest to implement is yeah. the daily kind of the daily huddle, the stand up right. huddle. Mm-hmm. That fifteen minutes. Okay, what are you doing today? Are there any roadblocks? Okay, what what am I doing today? This you know this is kind of the goal for the week, and your core team is just on it, and then also breaking bread with your with your one executives. Mm-hmm. So having lunch, yep. breakfast, dinners with your core team, all of them. Right. So in one go or is it one-on-ones? One on one? Not one-on-ones. Like he, he, I mean, he says one-on-ones are a waste of time. No one likes doing them. Wow. Yeah. He's like, it's much better to bring social pressure in. And if somebody comes in there, don't worry, boss, I'm going to, you know, do these three calls and meet these three, you know, sales prospects. Mm. It's much better to bring one of their peers in. So if they don't do it, they said that in front of their peers and the boss and the, everyone holds their, each other a little That's more accountable that way. I, I read this book. I don't know if you ever encountered The Trillion Dollar Coach. Yes. I've read that. And Very good book. the complete opposite of what The Trillion Dollar Coach is actually trying to teach you. Well, he, he holds CEOs accountable because no mm. one holds, right? So he's the, the CEO whisperer. Right. No, but, uh, the, what he says is that you still, still do one-on-ones. Again, at the end of the day, this is like being a dev. Yeah. Right? Whatever works for you, works for you. But yeah. at the end of the day, there needs to be scalable systems that you can go through uh, things. I like that that's an approach that you've but done. Part of how he was so successful mm-hmm. was he would join the XCOM meetings. Do you remember that? He still goes to the weeds. Right, right. Yeah, he would, he would join the, 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 the team meetings. And he's just going to sit And just there. sit there and just right. <laughs> and see the politics and see the, you know, body right. language and then, mm-hmm. you know, kind of be a second set of eyes and, and then have that one-on-one with the CEO. Correct. Because he's the coach. I mean, that makes sense to do it on a one-on-one basis. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean. He, no, one thing that I learned and I, I, I implemented since I started learning is just, just such a basic thing, the five-item sheet. Hmm. So... Every me, every person that will participate in a meeting have an 
maximum five items to put in a one hour maximum tops meeting. If you don't have any line item that you're going to submit, don't even show up. You're just going to fucking waste your time. Mm. Because at the end of the day, everybody has five items. Then the most urgent thing that will be discussed is the most common item that was put on by everybody. So if it's payroll, then every payroll, we discuss payroll right away. What about payroll? What's your concern about payroll? Boom, 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 boom. Then there's a structure over every meeting. And if you're just there to spectate, don't your time. You're not supposed to be here, right? Well, we've done the math. Our, our mancom meetings, we would have 60, 70, 80 people dial in. I mean, on Teams, it's so easy to Correct. do it, right? There's Correct. Every, every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Yeah. You know, anyone can kind of dial in. And, and part of me likes the transparency. Yes. That they can see the inner workings and, and everything right. that's going on. Um, but when you do the math and you're like, wait, 80 people have been sitting here for an hour. Maybe only 40 people need to be sitting here for an hour. The other 40 need to be doing real work. No, but that's what I want to get a glimpse because I, yeah. Max, I've, I've grown a six, 65. Sure. Two countries. So not even close. Oh. Right. But I felt that rule three, three and 10 kick in. But when you have man comps like that, what are the systems that you have to hold through that are like borderline 10 commandments at that level to operate a business at this scale? So I, I really try to push on the mancom to not focus on historical stats because everyone mm. wants to show what they've done. Okay. I'd rather find out what you're about to do so I can either preempt it or, or concur that, uh, yeah, yeah, this is happening this week. And yes, this is probably the right trajectory or mm-hmm. your folk focus, your time, our, our resources, our money. Right. But if it's already been done and you're just telling me that you did it, like, I mean, it's, it's somewhat helpful, but not really. Like right. that can be an annex. Makes a lot of sense. Like I can read, I, I read the Mancom PowerPoint or PDF. Mm. Um, it gets published at about midnight or something. Right. And so I try to read it before go to um, I go to sleep. Mm. Um, probably not great for my sleep, but um, <laughs> at least, you know. I, if there's I, something I, shitty there, you got to think about it. Uh, yeah, 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 right. exactly. What uh, if it's 8.5 million pesos and uh, uh, 2020, million, you'd yeah. be sleeping like a baby for sure. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, well, of course, you know, during COVID, that was, you know. Oh, of course. That's only our gross revenue. That wasn't the, the, the profits still, yet. Come right? on now. Right. Uh, but the, the, there's there's definitely a little profit there. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, uh, you know, I'm looking through the Mancom and there's stuff that I want to, you know, pick apart and, and really spend more time on. Right. And I, I don't want to talk about historical stuff because it's already been done. I can't change it. No, no, none of us can change it. What's the what's, path forward? What's the path forward? Makes and, sense. Because we can change that mm. and, and improve that. And, and, and it's, you know, at our scale, it's just about little tiny improvements every single day. Um, and it's, I call it the 1% rule. Mm. One of the ones I probably right. taught Pat because I think he referenced it in, in one of his podcasts. Yep. And if we can improve 1% a day yeah. in a year, it's that's 365% right. improvement. Right. Absolutely. And if we can just, and, and, you know, that's KMC, like it's office version one, office version, you know, 1.5, office yeah. version 2.0. 3.0, 5, and, and, you know, now we're like, whatever, like our eighth gen kind of version of offices and yeah. every single time it's getting better and, you know, it blows me away to walk in uh, to some of these offices and the user experience is amazing and the design's amazing. And, right. and you spin yourself like shit's inter- right. Internet's right. super fast and like, you know, <laughs> yes. yeah, everyone's super amazing. impressed. So. Now I want to, I want to understand like, how do you now divvy up your time? Yeah. Like, my God, there's so much that can, I don't even know how you can not think of shit because there's always going to be something to think of. Yeah. How do you divvy up your time and how did you fire yourself 
from those things that you used to do yeah. to, to free up that time so you can do stuff that you actually need to do or want to do. So I, I actually resigned from the CEO role like last March. Okay. To right. our investors and, and, and my co-founders. And they're like, they kind of call my bluff. Like, you're not going anywhere. I'm like, well, I want to start a process to hire a CEO. Okay. And I don't think it should be me, you know, because of you know, growing 20 to 30, 40% year over year on like already a very large base. Yeah. It, it, it requires a different skill set. And, and I don't think that was me. And we we started our search February over here. So one year ago. Okay. And, um, and you found the, it? The new CEO joined Jan 16th. Who is the new CEO? A guy named um, Perry Nagpal. Perry Nagpal. And he's, been, okay. and he's been here 17 years in the Philippines. Wow. Aegis um, People Support. And teleperformance, wow. and, and you know, came from. He's very analytical. Came from kind of the BPO industry. Um, did a stint uh, for um, Money Max in, yeah, yeah. In, in Hong Kong. Yep. So you know, kind of lived a startup environment. How do you even go back. through the process of hiring a successor for a CEO? Because you know how you run your company. <laughs> yeah, it is tough. And like, man, there's a very, it's like letting go of your child. 100%. Right? 100%. That's the, I, 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 probably that's the feeling. But how did you find, what are those metrics? A, a normal hire, so, like, all right, a couple of layers of interview. Okay, bet. Uh, I good. mean, you know, I'm trying to solve for the areas I was probably weaker in. Okay. And, and, and I really like, um, you know what he had to say about that and i can kind of compliment him and you know now i'm doing stuff like ribbon cuttings and 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 and, 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 and doing you know podcasts and and being kind of more the face yeah of the business while there's someone who's executing got it the day-to-day because it's you know the ceo is the chief executive officer he's executing the board's strategy and vision that's amazing and and it's very hard to kind of and and everyone wants to kind of be the face, right? And and that's but that's not great to be the founder. Actually but then ready for that? Can you also execute on everything that needs to happen right. on the back end? And that's when I actually it's sad when it's your, see a startup founder where everybody it's kind of like a bad omen when I see that. Oh my god, this guy just wants all the publicity. Yes, but why are you not fucking working? Who's running the freaking Who's actually team? running it? Yeah. Right? If you if, if a young kid, especially that just wants, you, you don't want to be, you the, the real ones, the best founders that I know, at least sort of founders, they're very, very picky. Don't They don't even want the attention. That's why it's so hard to get great founders to be in this podcast. Yes. Because it takes time for them to say yes or to even carve out time because they're busy running their company. Correct. Yeah. Right? Um, and this takes time um, because- if you're if, if someone's totally available, always out there, always networking, always then you're not running your business. There's a pattern that you yeah. can see, like yeah. why, and then typically that gets to their head. Then when that mindset kicks in, it's just like boom. All right, it's me before the company, mm-hmm. and that's the beginning of the end, right there. Yeah, right, and that that's sad. But how how did what were these uh, again uh, process that you had to go through hiring Perry? Right, that you also had to control yourself. Like, oh, okay, that's that. You can't do that anymore because you have to police that, right? And especially what when that transition comes in, because of course the passion will never waver. Yeah, it's your baby. It's still my yeah. Right. How did you then detach yourself from these things? So I, you know, I kind of birthed 
two kids. My my eldest kid is KMC Savills, okay. and we brought a CEO January eighth. Another one, yeah, and, and, okay. and he was, um, and Pat would know him very well because when KMC was in our early days okay. and had one of our first clients, they said, "Hey, we need whatever thirty laptops." Okay. Well, thirty laptops at whatever you know five or six hundred dollars a laptop was a lot of money. We didn't have it. Yep. And so Pat and Joe invested in the business. Oh. In 2009, <laughs> they got, you know, 5% each. Right. Um, because we need to buy laptops and, you know, to, to hire employees. Yeah. And uh, that worked out very well for them. Nice. And of course, you know, we, we spun um, Sprout out of uh, Keemsey Solutions and, and, and Pat took it to, you know, Ooh, whole, other levels, whole other levels. Acquiring companies, bro. He's, that's he's, it. Yeah. He's really, um, yeah. No, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm very... Uh, and very uh, resilient too. They went through shit during the pandemic. My goodness. Yeah, he, it was more mental shit mm-hmm. for him, yeah. which is very real. Yeah. You know, he still had about this in our interview. He still had very, you know, he still had cash flow. He still had clients paying him. Um, some of those clients were even growing, you yeah. know. So it was the mental anxiety of getting in and out of COVID that, that was yeah. really, you know, Pat's challenge. And, and again, I was, you know, on those um, board meeting, in the monthly uh, board meeting calls with him. Yeah as he was kind of trying to lie to himself about how he loved the job and he didn't, you know. <laughs> you can tell. I, yeah. could, I mean, I've known him, I don't know, 30 years Growing or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so, yeah, no, you know, we that, that you know, that definitely, uh, what doesn't kill you mm. makes you stronger. Yep, absolutely. Uh, for sure, for sure. Now, all right, la- la- again, I, the last few questions. So what keeps you up at night now? Well, it, it's still whack-a-mole, it, but it, how, what are these small? It's less are whack-a-mole. Just, mm-hmm. I, I've given that duty to somebody else, but um, the rate of change has never been faster. And when yeah. you start looking at what AI can do, mm. and I believe it's a tool and, you know, can it be for good? Um, hopefully, does it make the average employee in the Philippines a super human employee? Ideally, yes. Yeah. Um, I think we can compete potentially on a global stage, having uh, a supercomputer behind us yep. with perfect grammar and, and everything else, right? Um, <laughs> right. Who doesn't complain? There you th- go. And, and works uh, 24 hours a day, seven yep. days a week, and doesn't take, you know, 18 vacation days a year. <laughs> or don't go, go, doesn't go AWOL. Doesn't go right. AWOL either. Um, <laughs> does use a lot of power. I'm right. slightly worried about the, you know, the uh, coal-fired power plants needed to turn on some of these <laughs> chips that are Absolutely. being... Yeah. So, but um, yeah, like, I, you know, AI is going to be highly, highly disruptive. And whatever it is today, mm-hmm. one year from now, it's going to be like five or 10 times more powerful than what it was today. Absolutely. So, you know, whatever it's doing today, like, um, is it Sora that came out with um, text yep, to video? Scary. That's scary. I mean, that's 60 seconds in length and there's no reason why they can't turn that to 60 minutes. I or, saw the Will Smith one. I don't know if you've seen, seen this Will, Will Smith one. No. There's a, Will Smith uh, posted about it. You can check it on his, in the Instagram though. Well, last year there was an AI video that looked really goofy. Like a, you knew it was an AI video. Yeah. And the same thing published the whole thing of him eating pasta. And my God, I can't tell. There you go. So I cannot tell. That's one then year. what happens to actors, producers. I mean, you know, a lot of the Hollywood strikes were about using AI in scripting mm-hmm. and using AI for extras or, or mm-hmm. actors. And that's why we're, we're, we're in this space. Uh, PNA has a new something someday. You'll oh, know in a okay. few weeks. I'll, okay. tell, you, I'll tell Mike okay. privately. There you go. Uh, on, on what that is. So that's exciting. the kind of stuff that, you know, that's kind of my job now because, you know, I feel like I'm, 
on the top of the ship. I'm not driving per se, but I've got the binoculars out and I'm looking yeah. for the next, um, I'm looking out for that next uh, iceberg. That's really. amazing. And what is it? Is it AI? Is AI going to, you know, eat, eat all of our jobs? Is it going to accelerate, <laughs> you know, certain sectors and, and how do we, um, participate in that AI economy? God, that's super exciting. And still, again, very akin to what you talk about during MatCom uh, or XCOM. Yeah. Which is what's the path forward? But you're now looking for the new frontier. Yeah. Right? I mean, I love the fact that real estate is still a physical asset that yep. can't just like disappear and then go to zero in value. Um, mm -hmm. Although, you know, potentially can go to zero in value as we see in some of the offices in, in, in America. But um the physicality of actually meeting people and, and doing um, collaboration work, you know, that part's still super mm. exciting. I mean, the metaverse that seemed to kind of die. Right. And and I don't think I would have wanted to really be a part of that, but we do use VR when we're designing offices. Yeah. Like we'll completely 40 walk through an mm. office before it gets built now. Yeah. Which is great for, for the, the, the design process. Got it. All right. Last two questions. Yeah. When you track back and look at, again, this, this hell of a journey, Amazing from from that era where you know you just forced to sublease of property, yeah, and whatnot. Can you remember certain advice that was given to you that really struck a chord? And what were what was those best advice that you, you remember? That's a good question. I mean, um, a lot of the Vern Harnish stuff in the Rockefeller habits, you know, really spoke to me because it was like literally, you know, that's where I was like really ripping my hair out, and it kind of helped me. Sorry, get through Pat, this. I'm not that impressed anymore. I know where you got it from. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, he got the cliff notes for me. Um, <laughs> I don't know if he ever read it, to be honest. Uh, so, no, look, I, you know, when you're really trying to scale and, and, and when you get past that 30 mark and then the 100 mark and, and these other, you know, hurdles, uh, your first million dollars is probably the hardest U.S. Yep. You know, the first million dollars. Even in the Philippines, I think, first million pesos is hard. Is the hardest, probably. <sighs> yeah. And then maybe your next 50 million pesos is the hardest. And then, yeah. you know, Not multiples it. of that. Mm -hmm. Um but yeah, once you kind of bust through those barriers and you've got, you know, either robust enough uh, systems, processes, people, whatever, mm -hmm. that, that they're really, uh, yeah. So tricks, um, I, I also had an executive coach. Mm. They worked for me. Um, they worked, it worked well for me. Um, he has now passed a guy named Frank Holtz. I got to see him uh, in, in Maui right before the fires. And oh, um, no. He didn't die from the fires, but uh, <laughs> he died. Of, I, I don't know. I, I, I hope he died of uh, old age. I mean, uh, he was, you know, mid eighties. Um, mm -hmm. He has a wonderful family, mm -hmm. and um, and the guy meant a, a lot to me. And he really helped, uh, not just coach me, but the the next level under me. And he was just there for whether because you you know you're always dealing with people. Yeah. Like, even if you're a tech company, yeah. you're dealing with people. It's a people business. Business is people. Yeah, oh, that's unfortunately, right? <laughs> like, you cannot unless AI really becomes really good. But I mean, there will be years. some probably solo companies yeah. that are a billion dollar in valuation that are just one guy and some AI. Yeah, but um, generally speaking, for the rest of us, um, uh, we're going to have to hire people, and, and dealing yeah. with people can be tough. And dealing with what people's other strategies they bring to yeah. to, to the table is also really tough. And I'm probably not a great shoulder to cry on, but he was. He had time to listen to that people, guy. and he was that guy, and he really helped keep a lot of my um, talent that I wanted to keep in the company like level-headed, and 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 through the ups and downs of life, mm -hmm. like nothing to do with work. Yeah, 
Because it's it's technically intertwined anyway, right? Work-life balance, is is, it is a, yeah. Integration, work-life integration. Work-life integration. But what what, do you remember one specific thing that is just super unforgettable that he he taught you? Or he asked you? Because I think a lot of this may may be asking and then you're figuring out. It's so true that, you know, he never told me what to do. He would always just kind of ask me, what did I think was best? Ah, there. And he would kind of, he would, you know, subtly kind of walk you to the answer. Yeah. But it, it, it always sounded like it came from, correct, came from you, right? Like, so, oh, this is my idea. But he kind of walked you into the steps. He led you to that. Yeah. yeah, he led you to it because he was probably, you know, some sort of psychologist and yeah. you know, exactly had to manipulate you through asking the right <laughs> questions. I mean, he had like a, some sort of, you know, psychiatry uh, certificate. Background. So mm-hmm. he was a psychometrics analyst or mm-hmm. something like that. Amazing. So he would do eight-hour interviews um, on wow. CEOs for like some of the top companies in the Philippines. It's amazing. Then they do psychoanalytics or whatever. Yeah. Okay. So that's amazing. So, so really asking and leading you to your own answer. Yeah. Yeah. So right. he basically didn't tell you. Instead of telling you, hey, do this. Yeah. Ask you and then yeah. it's like, oh, okay. So that, that's the answer. Yeah. Then you're going to be excited as hell. And the other thing is like some really good um, kind of tax uh, advice, you know, in terms of like almost every startup is now based in Singapore. Yeah. Holds a Philippine entity. Yeah. All the investors almost require that. All yeah. global investors now require that. Yeah. And and doing that sooner than later is going to yes. be better for you. Unfortunately, yeah. as, as, as it's sucky as it sounds, but that's the best way to do it. We, yes. did, we did that. Chatbot, yeah. PA for their Singapore companies, yes. uh, Hold Coast, and Philippine entities. There you go. So you know, the sooner you kind of uh, figure that out, probably the better, especially it's easy to, to raise money. Yeah. And um, yeah. That is amazing. Thank you so cool. much, Mike. Again, but again, last question: What's what's up next? You, you're now looking over the top at a you know huh. 500 foot tower. That's right, Horizon. What's yeah. up next for KMC, and what 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 should we look at for? Well, you know, our job is you know we have kind of two main service lines with the KMC Solutions angle, and yeah. uh, you know our real goal is to make work plus life better. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just toured our our new co living space. It'll be a lead registered. Like this is quality. You nice. Know, at, at, at the at the same price point. Where is this? This is on the outskirts of BGC. Okay. There yeah, you go. Overlooking the Manila Golf Course. Oh wow. Like, it's, That's amazing. You know, it's got some good views and and, uh-huh. and beautiful design. And um, I can't wait for the staff to to, to use it once uh, Morocco um, energizes us, which has been a whole another battle. Um, but yeah, anything well, to make for the twenty twenty three numbers. Yeah, we'll release those after our tax year. There April you go. 15th, I guess. Once we get through <laughs> our audit. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. But yeah, anything to make, you know, um, kind of life better for for our employees is um, something we're always on the lookout for. So if there's, you know, services, products that you think will make uh, our almost 6,000 employees' uh, lives amazing. better, let, let me know. That is amazing. But before I let you go, uh, follow us on whatever podcast app we're listening to, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts. And again, if we did say some links or jargon, whatever, it's going to be in the show notes on HustleShare.com. And if you also want to support HustleShare and doing content like this, please do subscribe at premium.hustleshare.com. Again, Mike, thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me. All right. I'll see you guys in the next episode. Peace.